This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I am here with the fitness DJ who currently goes by Decron from The Sharp Body. Welcome to Halo Talks. Thank you, thank you. So um, uh, I'm a pro bono DJ. You are a real DJ uh, from back in the day. Successful entrepreneur in the space, uh, moving into a lot of things online and um, helping a lot of people, the amount of... uh, people that you've touched on the on the music side is uh is admirable and i wanted to have you on the show here talk about what your experience has been as an entrepreneur how things have gone during that path and and what brings you to to sharp uh, body so welcome give us a little background sure yeah thanks Pete. great to be here and um yeah my entrepreneurship journey has been a fairly long one i knew from a pretty young age that i always wanted to run my own business and i didn't always know what that business should be Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear as you go down this journey, what, what is it that you should be doing? And they, they tell you to, like, think about your passion. Think about doing what's most passionate for you. So I started in corporate. I didn't go straight into entrepreneurship. So I did corporate for a number of years. Um, I was uh, an accountant for a while. Then I went to business school. Mm-hmm. I was a management consultant. And um, all throughout, I had the idea that I was going to have my own business one day. And... Uh, so, you know, uh, as, as things turned out, in 2001, I'd taken a, a hiatus from doing management consulting with the idea of helping my brother with his music. So he's a techno producer and a DJ. Hmm. He, he works at Sony Music. He's a techno <coughs> producer. He plays around the world. He was just in Amsterdam last month DJing. So he's, he's making really nice traction with his career. But, you know, years ago, he wasn't there yet. And so I wanted mm-hmm. to help him. And so I had the business side. He had the music side. So we launched a record label called Gotham Grooves. And we started putting out his music and getting music from all over the world in terms of artists that we were publishing on our label. And a side effect of doing this was A, I kind of picked up DJing as a hobby, um, mm-hmm. and B, I was getting a lot of motivation from his mixtapes in the gym. Mm. And I thought to myself, I said, well, I wonder if I could do something with this because it's really helping me. It's helped me feel like a million bucks with these workouts. I wonder if I could help other people. So what I did is I started going to group fitness classes and interviewing the, the, train, uh, the instructor at the end of every class. So I would take a spin class or you know, uh, a Pilates class or a kickboxing class, what have you. Mm-hmm. And at the end of class, I'd ask the instructor, hey, like, what was this music you used? I've got a label. I get all this great high-energy techno music from Europe and stuff. Would you guys be interested in that? And they were like, yeah, please, you know, it's super important for our class to have good music. Mm -hmm. So I launched another label that focused just on the the group fitness classes. This was Motion Tracks? So this was the predecessor to Motion Tracks. So this was called Rocket Wave 8. And uh, that was the, the label I came up with. That's where I met David through that circuit. So David we, Ganulin for all the listeners. <laughs> yeah, the one and only infamous David Ganulin. <laughs> so, so I'd see David at, uh, David at the trade shows, and he's like, wow, I really like what you're doing. And we actually did a small deal ourselves where he was helping distribute some of, it, of our content to his um, uh, KBC trainers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had some success in that market, but I didn't want to limit it just to the instructor market. I wanted to go beyond and help consumers. So in 2009, I launched a podcast called Motion Tracks. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was a music, running music um, podcast, which was focused on high tempo music that would allow the runner to match the, the, his strides to the beat of the music. Mm. So it's like you and the music are one. You're moving as one unit. So it got super popular. Apple featured us. Well, we had. What, 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 what are you? Like, what beat are you on? 
Oh, what is my running tempo? Yeah. You like Usually one, like 165, 170 wow. beats per minute. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably like 138. <laughs> I'll admit it. Yeah, that's cool. Everyone has their uh, their comfort zone. That's what we would do. We would do like all kinds of tempos for, you know, different hmm. types of people. And we had everybody from that's like interesting, yeah. marathon, like, you know, Boston Marathon runners who are the, the elite runners of, in the country to people who couldn't even run a mile and they start using motion track. Like, oh my God, I can actually run now wow. and I'm going to do a half marathon now thanks to you. Like that's the kind of feedback we were getting. And then you graduate to higher bpms right you could yeah All you right. could yeah exactly might get on that still out there right? <laughs> still out there yeah at the time we were the number one running music podcast on itunes and if you search for it now it's still like among the top five That's awesome. uh, results so yeah so in our first 10 months we had over a million downloads of our episodes wow. and my my point or my thought was that we would monetize the podcast through sponsorships and so the first potential sponsor was uh, was k-swiss we had met their rep at I think at ECA or one of the one of the conferences and they really like what we were doing. I flew out to LA. I had a meeting with the VP of marketing there. They were like, okay, we want to move forward. We've got a budget for you. Mm-hmm. Things fell through, but we kept grinding along and we ended up getting deals with like Cliff Bar, Gatorade, A6, Power Bar. We did we did projects for all these folks um, as a way to monetize our podcast. And that was exciting. It was an exciting time. Mm-hmm. We were working with these big brands. We had uh, over 100,000 steady subscribers to the podcast and uh, just really helping people with their workouts. And then the next evolution was like, okay, we're doing stuff for running, but where do we go from there? And it was, uh, okay, let's do stuff for other modalities. So when I launched Rocket Wave 8, I met all these really great instructors and I brought one of them in to a studio session and we recorded him and we did basically a guided spinning workout Mm. and we put it out as a podcast and our audience went bananas they're like oh my god that was the best I could just do this podcast anytime I get a great spinning workout and we got the idea like okay well if they really like the content we could probably sell it to them as well and so that's what we did. We started making these albums with coaches and music. That and it was all, you, you were getting this all royalty free or you were buying it or we licensing it? We were licensing it? music. So because I had that first label with my brother, I had developed relationships with artists in Europe, different labels. Right. And we were uh, basically um, getting, you know, favorable deals where we wouldn't pay anything up front. We would pay them a royalty on the back end. So that Got was it. really helpful. Cool. And they were doing like their own compilations and... Uh, so mixes and it was all we, we would uh, so basically we would hire the trainer mm-hmm. they would give us the profile of the workout so let's say it was a treadmill workout or a rowing workout or what have you mm-hmm. um, they would give us the structure and I know now understanding music and understanding fitness I would map the music to the workouts different intensities and the tempos and everything mm-hmm. that was required to kind of give that person a feeling of like actually being in a in a group right. fitness class but just listening to it on the treadmill or the the spin bike kind of thing gotcha so that was motion tracks then we rolled it up into an app and so it exists today we tried a subscription model um we had a number of deals with magazines that helped get get the the word out about motion tracks we did stuff with shape for over a year uh, we did a partnership with Bowflex um, for a number of workouts for their machines. Mm-hmm. As you know, Bowflex is a number of cardio machines we did programs for. Uh, so that's kind of really how we grew it, Pete. And, um, you know, that was a, a really awesome journey. And then um, Motion Track slowed down. So we had raised some capital from friends and family. We invested it. And then we kind of hit a bit of a ceiling. And I wasn't... I wasn't of the mind to get more capital just for a number of things that were going on in my life at the time. I couldn't go down that road at the moment. But, you know, I took a step back from it. I did some 
just marketing, consulting, just to get by for a year or two. And then my heart brought me back to fitness, which is why I launched The Sharp Body. So mm. that's where we are today. And so with The Sharp Body, I literally coach people one-on-one how to cut fat, build muscle, and keep their results permanently. And that's all uh, through the app, or is it... Uh we have a separate app for that. We have a white brave label branded app for the Sharp Body, and that features like you know gives them all the workouts they got to do, video library, mm-hmm. tracking. They put their progress, their photos, their meals, all that stuff in there. Got it. So m- maybe take a couple of minutes and and talk about um, you know what you learned as an entrepreneur. What were some of the the high points and the low points? And you know you seem like um, you know now now you're basically coaching other people on how to live a of a better, mm-hmm. healthier life. At the same time, being an entrepreneur is sometimes, whether you're doing it with your brother or doing it by yourself, it's somewhat of like a lonely <laughs> place because you got to be like telling everyone on the, you know, that are, that is looking at you like, I'm awesome. This company's awesome. You got to work with me and on the back uh-huh. end. You got to be like, hey, man, there's a lot of competition. There's royalties. There's paperwork. There's, you know, yeah. mixes. There's demands. Yeah. You know, yeah. So talk about like how what you're – experiences were and like what you learned from that and how it either amped you up or pulled you down or kind of made you who you are yeah sure sure yeah you're you're right on and when you say there's a lot of like peaks and valleys in this journey there really really are and i think that the one of the most important things i've learned that as an entrepreneur you really have to learn how to manage yourself you have to manage your life your obligations your energy level your commitment your health because it's really you having to do this over and over and over every single day, no matter what. Mm-hmm. You're the only one. No one's coming to get you, to save you. If you don't do it, you don't eat. You know, it's, it's your vision. It's your baby. You need to feed it. And you do that by just managing yourself with integrity <laughs> and responsibility. Um, and really, it's, it's that, consisting, that consistency and that persistence that, that makes the difference. It's that, I think, also moving quickly. I've seen a lot of people be successful because they've been the first in the market. You know, if you think about all these, like, these kids that have two, 300,000 followers on Instagram because they started three years ago, you know, they, they started at a good time. Or YouTubers who started seven years ago. You know, mm-hmm. these guys killed it. And these days it's harder to kill it. So if you're opportunistic and you move fast, you could definitely differentiate yourself um, in the market. Uh, but I think ultimately it's, it's really that consistency and that, that persistence that's going to get you there. Got it. So you had a successful run with, with motion tracks and, and on one of the earlier podcasts we had uh, earlier today, um, we were talking about this is your baby, right? This is mm-hmm. your company. It's, it's kind of done what it, it needs to do. It's hit, it's hit a peak and, yeah. and like, you know what? Like I don't need to be, I don't need to do this. I, I'm not an indentured servant to the, to the company I created. Right. Right. So how did you get to the point where you said, okay, look, I'm going to kind of downshift off of this. We're going to kind of let it do its thing on, on its own, which will continue to still generate some revenue. Yep. I mean, may not have like my heart and soul on a hour by hour basis, but I'm going to move into something else. So how did you kind of, um, how did you get comfortable with, with that decision in your own mind to be able to say, Hey, this is my baby, but like, it doesn't really, it's grown up and it's kind of, it does its own thing. And I'm not like devoting my life to it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. That's one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make. 
make is that one. Uh, so there were a number of factors that kind of showed me that it was time to take a step back. On a personal side, I mean, I had gotten divorced around that time. So mm -hmm. that was one thing that created more difficulty for me. Secondly, I had I'd felt tired. You know, while Motion Tracks was growing, I always, I, I always had a next best idea. It was like, okay, we started for running well. Hey, we can add other exercises. And it was like, hey, now we can make it into an app. And it was like, hey, and we could do these deals to grow it. And when I started running out of those ideas and that inspiration, that to me was one sign that, hey, you know, you may act, you may have you may have capped out here. Um, you say you're saying that you ran out of like the next iteration. I ran out of the next iteration hmm. as well as I'm I'm a I've I've been in a position where I'm like working on like a lot of different deals and working on different portfolio companies and then like one day I'll just hit the wall and I'll mm -hmm. be like I'm so fucking emotionally physically and mentally exhausted. Yes. And I like need to stop for yes. at least a day and turn it off. <laughs> yeah. You don't yeah. get an off season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, it's because of those peaks and valleys, I also started feeling tired. I started feeling mm -hmm. burnt out of the constant, you know, running after ad dollars or trying to monetize and, you know, disappointments and hearing no from ad agencies and, you know, all that stuff. It caught up to me. Basically, mm -hmm. it caught up to me along with the personal stuff I was going through. And there were some competitors that had entered the market after us, but were much, well cap much more capitalized. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not going to be able to compete with these guys unless I raise again money again. And I didn't, I didn't have it in me at that time to, to go down and do, do another round. So all those things were like, hey, you should take a step back. And I did. I kind of just was like, okay, I'm just going to let it run. I felt like that was it. That chapter had closed. You know, That's like, awesome that you, that you had the guts to do that, and I think I don't think enough entrepreneurs. I was just with somebody uh, in the Midwest, and the guy's trying an idea, and he kept trying it and trying it, and trying it to the point where six years later, mm. he's still like in that one box. And it's like after year three, like it, it worked or it didn't work. Like you can't now. You're kind of like you're that guy who like stayed in this one thing, yeah, and try to like keep, continue to like weave the sweater that's not. You got to know when to to, yeah, to pivot I, or get out. And I just agree turn it with off. you. And sometimes it is clear the signs are there, but sometimes it's gray. Sometimes it's just like oh it's, yeah, you have the ups and downs. You're like oh, yesterday was awesome. You know why would I give this up? And yeah. I feel I don't remember how I felt. Yeah. But there there are some people. Um, it's interesting. Some some of my dad's friends are like, yeah, I had this business, and then you know I decided to retire and. I just shut it down. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I never really thought that was an option. I'm like, I thought these things need to like live forever. Uh -huh. And they don't, you know, like they like, Hey, I did, did serve my purpose and I'm going to go do something else. And if you are the company and you can't give it to someone or sell it to someone, then, then that's the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't think, I don't think people realize that's a, that's like an option. Right, so I right. wanted you to kind of yeah. highlight that. Cause I think people think that everything's got to live yeah, forever and, and it, it doesn't. And it's a good option because when you're struggling and it's not going anywhere, you're just limiting yourself. You're just kind of beating your head against the wall. And the minute you kind of step away mm -hmm. and you, you know, like they say, you allow, you allow the energy, the universe's energy to flow again. You're not like blocking it cause you're forcing this outcome so much. You step back and you have a much better perspective. And I actually grew a lot from that decision. I grew I grew a lot from stepping away. Like I was like, okay, I'm throwing the towel. You know, mm -hmm. my competitor raised forty million dollars in capital. I, I I can't compete with that. I gotta be realistic about that. So um, you know, stepping away gave me a new perspective, and I'm really happy with what I'm doing now because I've always had a, a knack for coaching and a passion for it. 
And I just never even had to explore it because I was so stuck in motion tracks. But the minute I stepped away, it allowed me to do something I'm, I'm good at and that I love and I'm really helping people at a deep level in their lives. That's great. So w- w- to g- give a little explanation on what the, the short body is and, and what to expect if I'm a uh, consumer. Sure, absolutely. So really the sharp body, Peter, it's a, like I said, it's body transformation coaching. And I use mm-hmm. those words very strategically. So yes, you will lose weight. It's designed to help you lose weight and be lean, but the really operative word is transformation. Mm-hmm. And transformation occurs from the inside out. So in the fitness industry today, there's a lot of temporary solutions. And that's everything from like taking a fat loss pill mm-hmm. to you know extreme workouts that you can barely do and keep up with to all kinds of quick fixes. And there's very few things that actually give you results for a lifetime. And that's what the sharp body is designed to do. It's, it's, it tackles what I call the three M's of body transformation, which is mindset, meals, and muscles. And mindset is foundational. So mm-hmm. your body is a reflection of the inside. Your outside reflects the inside. So what I do is I start working on the inside first. So I, I understand people's limiting beliefs. I understand what their struggles are. I understand what's stopping them. I understand. Mm-hmm. And people usually, if people are overweight and not happy where they are, it comes down to usually three things. It's a lack of knowledge. They don't know what to do when mm-hmm. they get to the gym. They don't know how to eat. It's a lack of motivation. They just can't pick themselves up by the bootstrap. Or it's usually like a lack of time. Those three things are usually what stop people. Mm-hmm. And I focus on all three of those things. Again, to make sure the mindset is right, the thoughts are the right way. They're inspired, they're staying motivated, they're working out, they're eating right. And then I give them nutrition strategies and, and workout strategies. And that's all personalized. Highly one-on-one. personalized one-on-one, yep. So how do you, um, how'd you go from thousands of, of clients and thousands of compilations and, you know, and then say, you know what, like, this, is, this, this works. <laughs> like, I just want to help like 30 to 50 people at a time because it's definitely a mind shift on your own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and what was an even bigger shift is this was never my career. Like I told you, I started in corporate. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was never a personal trainer, and to be honest, I don't even have certifications to this day. My certification is my own body transformations and what I've done for clients. Um, but I I had hired coaches myself, and I understood the process. Right. And I had you know had my own successes in terms of transforming my body. So I knew that I could do it, but. Um, I took, so let's go back to what we said. I stepped away from motion tracks. I did some marketing for a while just to get by. Mm -hmm. And my heart brought me back to fitness and I didn't know what it was going to be. I was like, this has never been my career. I've never been a trainer, um, but maybe I can help people. I have a list of like, I had like 70,000 people on my email list. I was like, Mm -hmm. maybe I could help them with weight loss. And I just threw it out there. I sent an email last May Mm -hmm. and I got six clients off the bat. And I was like, okay, this is cool. So I started coaching them and I started developing my processes for what my 12-week program mm-hmm. looks like. And I created the assets and the videos and the meal plans and all that stuff. And I was really enjoying it. And I was seeing the challenges that people have and how I got to coach folks. And every client I learned a little more from. And I just kept improving and improving. But I, ultimately, I had a real passion for it. Like mm-hmm. I could literally do this in my sleep. And that's what they talk about. They say, when you're trying to find your passion and your, your direction... Like, ask yourself, like, what would you do for free? Like, what would you do if money didn't matter? You know, or who would you help for free? You know, who would you work with if money didn't matter? And for me, when my friends would ask me, hey, dude, I want to get more ripped. Like, what should I do? I would 
write tons, you know, like three, four paragraphs in an email just telling them everything they should be doing and solving their problems. And to me, like, I enjoyed that. And when, when I thought of like, oh, people are going to pay me for this, I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's ridiculous. They're going to pay me for this. I love this. So that was sort of the, the mindset shift, but it just felt natural because like I said, I had a knack for coaching and I enjoyed talking about the topic. Like if it was about something else, I may not have enjoyed it as much. Right. But because I love talking about this stuff every day and I watch videos and, and read books on it myself, it was very easy to transition to it. So the, the line is, what would you do if you, if you had to do it for free? Yeah, what would you do if money didn't matter? What would you do all day long? You know, maybe for some people it's gardening. I, mean, I probably coach. I probably coach like multiple sports for like kids that are like in like know how to dribble, but don't really know how to like take a jump shot. Basketball, like that. You, basketball, soccer, that. yeah, tennis. So skills, yeah, anything, sports anything skills. related to like having kids focus on being better and being understanding a team and like propping them up and getting them like stronger, confidence, well, that could be your next determination. Startup. Yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting thing that we're talking about here because you're talking about like, all right, I'm, I'm going to start something new. I'm not going to like have like the baggage of the past. I'm actually going to use that that list and then I'm going to put that that company on autopilot. I don't think anybody on this listening to these podcasts really like think that that's an option. They always think like their companies need to live or we need I need mm. to sell it or Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could just give it to, you know, you could sell it to your manager or, you know, if you're a health club operator sure. and let them pay you over time and like just get that weight and that responsibility off of your, your mindset sure. and also a like all that company energy and negotiate like a annuity yeah. where you get or, some money to pay your bills. and Yeah. Or like, you know, someone saying like, well, I'm not selling this business unless I get X for it. Mm. And well, if that business is making you miserable, then you should sell it for less than X. Like you can tell me what X is. Yep. And try and get me to like represent that X number, but knowing your heart that if I come back with 30 percent of of that amount, you know, and get you seventy cents on the dollar, right? And this thing's like physically killing you, right? As running this business, like get rid of it and yeah. like go find something that you want to do if you didn't yeah, have to do that's it. That's the for whole money. don't bang your head against the wall. Yeah, yeah. About. I don't think many people think about that, and I also think that sometimes the passion job is something that that people leave for like oh that would be nice you know in the future and the future Mm. never comes yeah (laughs) and then you're like oh well i you know i coach little league once every once in a while yeah i hear people talking about wanting to make career changes or pursuing something they're passionate about but but what they don't do is they only think about it they don't take action and i think that's one of the things that stops people from making that transition is they they're dreamers but they don't actually do something so personally i say and i'm telling a friend of mine this right now who wants to transition into became becoming a fashion stylist uh, ideally for celebrities i said oh that's cool i said did you did you watch the oscars this year and she's like no i'm like well you're not a fashion stylist yeah you know <laughs> you have to do something in that every single day right if you want to eventually get there mm-hmm. not just dream about it and talk about it right that's important um so what's next? So to give us a little, you know, how do people get in touch with you? Do you have capacity to take on some other clients and help them transform their lives? Thank you, Pete. Yeah, so right now, I, I, my coaching is very high touch. So I work with only a select group of people. There's a number of people I let in every month. Um, but if people are interested, yeah, they could go to thesharpbody.com or they could find us on Facebook, The Sharp Body. We post content there every, every day, including two Facebook Lives I do every week where I cover 
different topics around mindset, around nutrition, around working out. And um, yeah, people can apply and just see if they'd be eligible for a 60-minute transformation session. So that session is where I take a deep dive into the person's situation. Mm-hmm. I give them a plan to help them meet their goal. Uh, and then I could, and then I talk about my program. I show them some before and afters of folks I've worked with. And then, yeah, and then we would go from there if, if it's a fit. Great. So what are the quotes uh, in parting here? Um, what are the quotes besides manage yourself, which I think is awesome, <laughs> kind of breaks it down into very simplistic words of being a successful entrepreneur, or at least a manageable entrepreneur. Yeah, I think it's that. It's that, and it's the thing that I wish I learned 20 years ago. Like I would almost trade in my MBA for this one skill. If I knew what, if I knew how important this was going to be later, and they don't teach you this in school, they don't teach you this anywhere. You have to get out there and actually do it, and it's the hardest thing, which is sales. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, you got to learn to sell. You got to yeah. learn to sell. You got to learn to generate leads. You got to learn to close those leads. Otherwise, you're not going to have a business. Every business has to do that. Period. Agreed. Well, manage yourself, manage your sales, manage your leads. The sharp body. Hopefully, it's been a transformational podcast. For everyone listening and wish you success and uh, love the story and love where you're headed. So glad we met. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, All right. Man.